everybody. Welcome to this month's edition of The Shepherd's Voice in February. I want to welcome to the program the host of the program, the Bishop Trenton, Bishop David M. O'Connell. Welcome, Bishop. Thank you, Jim, and uh, I guess I should say Happy New Year since I was not able to uh, make it during the month of January. It was an unbelievably busy month. Yeah, and I'm and sure... I'm it sure just it's... seemed like every every time we <laughs> planned to, uh, to do the show, something else came up. Yeah. That's okay. Happy to have you here, and I know you're busy this month too. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. So for, we appreciate your such, time for such a short month. We got a lot jam packed into February. That's right. You know, first thing I'd like to mention is, is how grateful I am to all of those who participated in all the various pro-life activities during the month of January. You know, we traditionally uh, commemorate the uh, tragic Roe v. Wade decision in January. There's the March on Washington, which mm-hmm. This year went on in per- person. Last year, of course, was affected by the by the pandemic, but right. things seem to seem to move forward this year. We sent some some of our parishes, not all of our parishes, when again there's still some hesitancy because of the pandemic. But a number of parishes went. And I was very very proud of uh, those who were able to go and to participate in the March for Life we had here in the diocese a mass because the there's a rally at the state house every year it's usually the week before the mm-hmm. march in washington and uh, we ha- celebrate a mass uh, for life at the cathedral and for those who are participating in the march well for anyone really but for those participating in the march it's not well attended it was only about 100 150 people who attended the mass but uh, it was a beautiful Mass, and Monsignor Joe Roldan, the uh, rector and pastor there at the Cathedral Parish, uh, was the main celebrant, and I was able to attend. Uh, the expression we use is preside. I was able to preside on the side uh, and uh, uh, and say a few words after communion. But I, I, I really was very happy and grateful that so many people uh, had took the pro-life cause very seriously. And, you know, here in New Jersey, you know, we experienced a heartbreaking uh, decision made by our uh, state legislature to to uh, kind of codify uh, abortion on demand, really. Uh, and New Jersey really has the most permissive abortion laws in the country. And that wasn't good enough for people. They still had to press on and push and uh, so the uh, the legislature voted in favor of this version, a version of the Reproductive Freedom Act, which I've spoken of before in the program. And of course, our governor signed it. That's been one of his campaign planks mm-hmm. and one of his discussion uh, points throughout the last year. Uh, I was really very, very disappointed, and I let him know that I spoken to him or been in touch with him uh, several times over the last few years, even before he was governor, about mm-hmm. his stance on the life issues. And uh, it's just a, a real a real disappointment yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, now I think it's up to us to kind of look at our strategy and to develop a strategy. How are we going to move forward with this cause, continue to express our displeasure uh, with, uh, with the pro-choice position but also to develop a strategy. How are we going to really show 
you know, the people of the state, the people of the country, the people of the world, really, uh, that the Catholic Church does support women who, are, who find themselves pregnant, either intentionally or not, uh, who need help and need assistance uh, in order to bring that child to birth and to bring that child into this world. And so that's going to be the topic of uh, many conversations in these days as mm-hmm. we move forward. But again, my grateful prayers to all of those who support life in all its stages mm-hmm. from conception to natural death. We had a, uh, you know, a couple sad deaths, really, in the diocese in the last month. Of course, uh, Monsignor James Inocenzi who uh, many people know he was for years uh, the judicial vicar, judge, uh, and the director of our canonical services in the diocese. He passed away rather unexpectedly. He wasn't in the greatest of health, but he seemed to rally Mm -hmm. back every time he had uh, uh, a little episode of this or that. But uh, he died rather suddenly, uh, and so we... we, uh, said farewell to him. Monsignor Inocenzi was the, as I said, the judicial vicar, but he also was a pastor. He was uh, the last pastor of St. George's Parish, St. George Parish in Titusville, before we merged mm-hmm. uh, three parishes, parishes in, the, in the area here in Mercer County. And before that, he was the first official pastor of St. Michael Parish in Trenton, and the last pastor <laughs> of that parish mm-hmm. before um, the communities joined together there. And in December, he was present for the 100th anniversary of St. Michael Church, and I was the celebrant, was able to kind of to call him out during this mm-hmm. homily and praise him and thank him for his service right. there. So we lost, we lost a very good priest mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a fellow who was... Uh, Totally dedicated to the diocese. You know, I, I don't, I can't think of too many events of the last twelve years that I was present at, where the priests were present, that Monsignor Inocenzi wasn't there. He yeah, rarely yeah. missed. He was a he was chaplain for the Trenton Fire Department. Oh, okay. He was also a, a chaplain for many of the councils of the Knights of Columbus mm. here in the state, and uh, just a wonderful, good man. Uh, I joked with his family. I said, you know, uh, when I viewed him in the coffin, I said, you know, this is the first time I've ever seen him with his hair combed. (laughs) (laughs) He was a a great fellow. And we also lost, very sadly, uh, just the other day, uh, Dr. Margaret Bolin. Dr. Bolin was the uh, associate superintendent of Catholic schools uh, until a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. throughout my early years as Mm -hmm. Bishop here is wonderful, wonderful woman. Yeah. She's a math teacher, uh, and um, really did a lot of great work for our schools, for our administrators, our principals, our faculties, uh, and through that work for our students really mm-hmm. throughout the diocese. And she retired a few years ago. She had battled cancer a number of years ago, but seemed to seemed to beat it, mm. and then uh, it occur- occurred again. Uh, earlier this year, and yeah. uh, she went into hospice, and uh, and she passed away this week. Mm-hmm. So we will. Uh, her funeral will be in Tom's River. She was from Tom's River originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I admire her just from making that drive from yeah. Tom's River to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the Chancery yeah, so often yeah. to work in the office sure. of education. But she was a great, 
great lady, great citizen of the diocese, and so we offer her prayers. You know, I, I had a little bit of an email exchange. I told the I told the priests and the chancery employees last week. She and I exchanged the emails, and uh, she asked me to pray for her as she makes her journey. Ah. So she had a good sense that maybe good. the end was coming. So mm-hmm. God bless her. She may she rest in peace. And you know it's interesting. She's the associate superintendent of Catholic schools, and she died during Catholic yeah. schools week. Yeah. yeah. So kind of uh, poignant that. Uh, her passing would occur. You know, each year the the Diocese of Trenton joins with all of the dioceses throughout the country in celebrating Catholic Schools Week, and we usually do it the third week of uh, of January. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, we it was established by the National Catholic Educational Association in Washington uh, in around 1974 in the early 70s. Really, to to uh, put people in touch and promote our Catholic schools and to highlight the contributions that Catholic education, especially through Catholic schools, make to society at large, to the church certainly, and to the communities in which they, um, where they exist and where they are a vital part. Uh, We try to help Catholic schools during this week to connect with parents and students and alumni and families and parishioners and educators and benefactors and and all the community members that we can reach uh, just to let them know that Catholic schools are an important part of life in contemporary society. We use an expression here in the Diocese of Trenton, Catholic schools have it all. And uh, I I have to uh, take credit for that and kind of (laughs) stole it from my Catholic university years where I used a similar expression there. But what we have in our Catholic schools is an educational experience. It's second to none. Very professional educators, dedicated administrators and teachers and staff. We have to be mindful of the staff as well. Uh, and that staff includes not only the people working in the office, but the the people who do, are, serve in the janitorial mm-hmm. departments of mm-hmm. the schools and you know, work around the ground, the groundskeepers at the schools. All of the people work together to make Catholic schools and Catholic education uh, a faith-based, truly Catholic experience, uh, first-rate Catholic education. It wouldn't be possible without the sacrifice of parents and so many other people who support mm-hmm. Catholic education. You know, these are days when our diocese and many dioceses throughout the country, unfortunately, are facing the closing of Catholic schools. And that's a sad, sad experience. And and it's always a last resort. It certainly is for us here. Uh, we were just this year uh, announced the closing of the Mother Seton Academy mm-hmm. in Howell. Uh, a few years ago, that 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 school uh, was the result of a merger of the school Catholic school at uh, Saint Aloysius in Jackson mm-hmm. and Saint Veronica's Parish in Howell, which was the place where the school actually was located, right. but uh, the enrollment just continuously declined, and it just was very, very difficult to to keep it going financially. Um, diocese over the last two years gave a quarter of a million dollars mm-hmm. subsidy just to keep the school going, and, you know, diocese doesn't have that kind of money all the time that uh, that it can be shelling out for 
or schools in trouble. We try to help as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are some people who uh, who push back, and uh, all of a sudden they they get uh, very negative and 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 uh, doubt the truth mm-hmm. of what we're saying when we when we say that. Well, we never knew the school was in trouble. Well, people knew it for years. You know, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. why the school merged to begin yeah. with, and you yeah. just we just couldn't couldn't dig it out and. So it's sad, sad to see mm-hmm. it close, but it's it'll be it'll be closing this uh, this coming June, yeah, and the yeah. school, the children there will be uh, offered directed their families directions to go to other Catholic schools mm-hmm. in the region. Mm-hmm. And we're sorry to see it happen, but it's one of those circumstances yeah. that we we face. Uh, Bishop, is is it? Do we have we seen any glimmer of hope during, the, especially during the pandemic? Uh, and all that comes out with what's happening in public schools, and you hear a lot of parents who have their children in public schools very concerned about the curriculum, what they're being taught. Have we seen any any hope of of? of... Uh, we've seen some modest uh, movement there, mm-hmm. but not not what I actually expected. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with you know, you mentioned the curriculum, and there's right. a lot within the curriculum in, in public schools that are cause for concern, not only for parents but for for people in general as they look at what our young people is the future really are being taught and uh, they're not being taught the values that are consistent with uh, with our schools public and parochial private schools mm-hmm. over the years and it, at least in the Catholic schools we have some uh, great control over over our curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't exist in in the public schools and public you know New Jersey has great public schools public school system throughout the state is rated as one of the highest if not the highest and best in the country and so uh, you know I'm not trying to knock public schools by any means you know but we want them to do what needs to be done in terms of the education of young people and what the desires of the parents are. Well, a lot of that came out during the pandemic with yeah, the virtual learning. Parents were saying, wait a minute, what are you teaching my children? Exactly, <laughs> because they, uh, you know, especially when they had to, to uh, live stream the yeah. sessions and the mm-hmm. parents could see actually what was being taught. Sure. So it, it did cause some concern. But in answer to your question, did it make a big difference? It didn't make a big difference. Yeah. We saw some modest movement there, but not, not a lot, mm-hmm. and certainly in some schools, not enough, not enough to mm-hmm. to make them sustainable. Unfortunately, and is it mostly? Do, do we do we have any kind of studies done? Why are, is it mostly financial for parents removing their children from Catholic schools? Yeah, you basically, know, it's, it's, it's just it's the finance. Financial. That's that's the big issue that yeah. we keep hearing. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, they pay taxes for education, but Catholic schools don't get the benefit of that. Right. You know, we don't have vouchers in this state and yeah. we don't have the kinds of of uh, mobility in a sense that we can there are, there are a number of reasons and we've tried to study this as carefully as we can you know the demographics work against us there's a lot of movement mm-hmm. uh, which diminishes uh, populations in some of the catholic schools and uh, as i say the financial issue the sacrifice it, does, it is a sacrifice to go to catholic schools sure. i mean that has to be taken into consideration and a number of Number of other things that uh, uh, that just make some some of our schools yeah. not sustainable in yeah. the long run. Yeah. And I know when I when we were when I was growing up, you were growing up, we were educated in Catholic schools. I mean, all right, right through college myself. 
uh, and my parents, we had five children, but my father, I remember him telling me back in 64, my, my, my oldest sister began high school and it was a, it was a parish high school, cost him $25 for the year. Wow. I mean, and there's, that obviously doesn't. Yeah, we all, of, we all went to the parish grammar school yeah. in my family. Yeah, we were four boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of us went to private Catholic high school, uh, minor seminary actually for mm-hmm. both of us. And then two others went to public school. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, their desire really was more sports oriented mm-hmm. and the, the public school in the, in the area had more to offer and was a greater interest of my, of two of my brothers. Uh, my parish priests were not happy about that, but, mm. uh, you know, that was the situation of my family, but, uh, still there was a sacrifice. I mean, I went to a, the boarding, a boarding school, Catholic boarding school, St. Joseph's here in Princeton, it's three hundred dollars mm. for room, board, and tuition. Right, right. You know, it, it was cheaper to send me away than to keep me at home. <laughs> yeah. My mom used yeah. to say. Yeah. But uh, you know, the point is, you know, we, we do our best. There are some outstanding Catholic schools where the enrollment is steady and good, and even growing. Um, the support for the school is there, and then there are others that are are, are having difficulty. Yeah. And you know, diocese tries to help as best we can. Right. You know. Uh, I love it when I hear this. Oh, the diocese hasn't done anything for our schools. Well, <laughs> you know, I can tell you in the last 12 years the, the amount of money that the diocese has uh, offered to subsidize some of the schools that right. were struggling. And so we uh, we are grateful mm-hmm. when a school closes. We're grateful for the history. We're grateful for the people that were part of its legacy. And we are... are uh, uh, hopeful that those students were, will be able to transfer into other Catholic right. schools. But as a parent also, I'll speak, you know, of course our kids are all grown up and out of the house now, but 25 years ago when we were raising them for Cheryl and me, there was no question that you're going to Catholic school and we'll do whatever we have to do to make that happen. We'll make those sacrifices as parents, which we did. Yeah, it, it was part of it was, was part of canon law and the, the 1917 Code of Canon Law. Oh, it was? I didn't so, know that. So, uh, you know, the the it, it was more than, well, should I go, shouldn't I mm-hmm. go? It was... The directive was clear that the that Catholic education should be the direction that people yeah. take, even though not not everybody followed that directive. Right. Uh, and for myself and for our children, I would never have changed a thing. I'm so happy that my parents made the sacrifices they did to send us to Catholic school, and uh, we look back on our children's education. It was a fine education, and yeah, they were all our, successful. Ours was too, and I, I love it. And I and when I travel around the diocese uh, and visit in the schools, you can tell when you walk in the door. There's just something different, something special about Catholic schools. And so uh, while there are sad moments that we have to face, there's also a lot of joy uh, that we experience in Catholic schools my, and we celebrate them. My grandniece was here uh, recently. She helps out a little bit. She's getting some hours. for. She goes to Notre Dame. And uh, she was so excited that she, talking about the bishop's holiday that you, you gave uh, <laughs> Notre Dame. And I, even that little, just that little thing, reminds, it's just so special. It reminded me of when I was there. It's, and just, it's just, it's just it's a, a It's the way we do things. That's you know? right. It's a beautiful thing. It's and a, I, I celebrated Mass before Christmas. You know, it was uh, the, the uh, auditorium there was packed, you know, and there, there are the teachers and, of course, all the students there and some guests and visitors, some parents. So it's always a kind of a joyful occasion for me. I couldn't stay for the Christmas pageant, mm-hmm. which they have at Notre Dame every year, which is always beautiful. They do a great job with the music and uh, this program that they put on. But I, I had to leave right away. Uh, but 
as I walked in for mass, you know, greeting everybody, and uh, I walked down the aisle, and the 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 auditorium was recently renovated. And one of the things that was renovated was, was the stairs on the side of the leading up to the stage. To the stage uh-huh. And they're stage stairs. They're not normal stairs. And as I got to them, I said, there is no way I can get up. <laughs> and there was no railing oh, my. there. And I, said, and I turned to Father Jason and I said to him, I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah. So we had to go back, retrace my steps and go around the side and go in. Through, through the stage door on okay, the side. Okay. So they had to replay the entrance hymn. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got to the microphone, I said, one more time. There you go. There you go. But, uh, Special they, time. They, so. they look forward to it. And, you know, a couple of the kids that I see in the yard there uh, between the chantry and the school, and yeah, you're coming. Now you're going to give us a day off, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I tried to I tried to do that when I and they it. had it was it was uh, democratically done right it they, was, they, they had a yeah. choice and yeah. the, I think the day after the Super Bowl she told that's me, right? what they, they <laughs> almost always do you know and uh, they did that at Christian Brothers when I was there and some of the other schools I've actually only had one school uh, that when I asked beforehand as well my custom is as it is when the bishop visits to give a day off mm-hmm. not here it isn't. I was told. I oh. said, okay. <laughs> but it, it, as you say, it is something. It yeah, is I'm, I, uh, yesterday, Thursday, uh, I went to uh, St. Jerome School mm-hmm. for my Catholic Schools Week visit. Mm-hmm. And the, the Filipini yes. sisters are mm-hmm. there, you know, and they do a great job. Sister Elizabeth is the principal. There's some wonderful... And the Filipini sisters are celebrating this year the 350th anniversary of their foundress. Oh. Uh, Saint, uh, Saint uh, Lucy Filipini. Okay. In the 17th century. Saint has a great story, a great history. You know, she was a young girl. Her mother died when she was uh, practically a baby, and her father died a couple of years later, and she was uh, taken in by her uncle, but, uh, you know, developed great devotion as a young Girl, she got a great story. But anyway, we're ce- we're celebrating the 350th anniversary. So mm-hmm. uh, while I was there, I blessed the door, a doorway which uh, the Holy See has said if these we set up these doorways in Filipino schools that they a plenary indulgence oh, will yes. be attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I blessed the doorway, and then I blessed uh, uh, a room in the in the school that was dedicated to. Sister Angela, who was the uh, principal there for, for many, many years, uh-huh. Filipini sisters. And I spent some time with, uh, with the students. We had a brunch. Monsignor Gervasio, the vicar general, was with me. Mm-hmm. His sister is actually a Filipini sister. Oh, okay. And uh, Dan O'Connell from the education mm-hmm. office uh, came along. And uh, it, was a, it was a great day, a great opportunity. But I try to do that every year, visit a school yeah. and uh, kind of highlight it a little bit. Gets yeah. a lot of attention. Sure. You know, of course, you know, there's always a, a camera following me wherever I go. So uh, got some nice pictures good. from that, too. Very and, good. And also, because it was the Feast of St. Blaise uh, yesterday, uh, I was able to do the Blessing of the Throats, a mm-hmm. traditional mm-hmm. story. You know, it's interesting, this the story of St. Blaise. Of course, he's one of these saints that, uh, that all we really have is traditions right. and legends. We don't right. have a whole lot of hard facts about him. You know, we know that this person... Right. Please, a bishop and a martyr lived in the fourth century, yeah. and you know the custom 
and the legend about him, you know, choking the, on a fish bone. the boy choking <laughs> on the fishbone. Yeah. The mother brought him to Bishop Blaze, and Bishop Blaze, the miraculous, uh, a miracle occurred at his intervention, and yeah. uh, you know, the custom of the blessing of the throats developed over the centuries, attributed to him, and uh, you know, it's a funny story. When I was living at St. John's in New York, and there were, you know, 35, 40 other priests in mm-hmm. the house. I mean, it was a, it was a huge community, mm-hmm. an ascension community. And, of course, a number of the men were older. Yeah. And one day, uh, the, uh, the, maker, the fellow who delivered the mail uh, went into one of the priest's room, and there was a priest lying on the floor of his room, older priest. So he came out and called down the hallway, and another older priest came, and uh, I could hear them saying, get the oils, get the oils, you know, for anointing. Because sure. the priest was unconscious. Mm. So, of course, we all ran down to the priest's room, yeah. and this older priest, who had been a teacher all his life, never in a parish or anything like that, he gets the oil stock, and I could hear him say, through the intercession of St. Blaise, bishop and martyr. <laughs> that was the prayer. <laughs> and he looked up and he said, uh, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was the wrong yeah, formula, right. <laughs> but anyway. The intention was there. The intention was there. Yeah. there was, so St. Blaise, feast day, we celebrated that with the kids and then uh, and did the blessing of the throats that's occurred in many of the parishes. You know, uh, this week really is dedicated to consecrated life, to speaking of the Filipini sisters, to religious life. It began with the celebration on Wednesday, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, customary uh, Candlemas Day. Mm-hmm. Did you have that in your parish? When sure, you the a little blessing, girl, yeah. Blessing of the candles, sure. you know. Presentation of the Lord occurs 40 days after uh, the birth of Jesus, um, the time when it's commemorated when Mary and Joseph took him to the temple. Mm-hmm and met with uh, Simeon and Anna there in the temple. And this child is to be the the rise and the downfall of many, you know, and the sword of sorrow appears mm-hmm. your heart. So many beautiful uh, things in the scriptures for the feast day on, yeah. on Wednesday. Um, but it's also Pope John Paul uh, in 1997 attached to this feast day and to Candlemas Day when we celebrate and bless candles that are mm-hmm. used in the liturgy, uh, made it the World Day of Prayer for Consecrated Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in his mind, uh, the, the religious women and men who were in religious orders, consecrated life, you know, were, were the light mm-hmm. uh, of the world. And so he, uh, he attached this feast day uh, to this feast day, the consecrated the Day for Consecrated Life. Um, the Bishops' Conference in our country has asked us to, although we acknowledge it today, or uh, uh, we acknowledge it on Wednesday of the right. uh, the feast, uh, that the, this coming weekend, the 5th and the 6th, that we celebrate and commemorate uh, religious life in mm-hmm. our country. And I've asked the priest to make sure that uh, they make reference to that in their sermons and the prayers of the faithful to pray for consecrated life. We, we certainly, uh, as is the case with priests, you know, we're seeing kind of the 
diminution, the diminishment of numbers of of young women going into religious orders, Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception of the the more traditional religious orders, seem to be attracting attracting, uh, young candidates. But in general, some of the more... Uh, some of the orders that were really large orders in the past seem to uh, be called the graying of religious life. That mm-hmm. There seem to be mostly retired or elderly at this point and not a lot of candidates coming in. So we, it's important for us to pray for vocations uh, to religious life and to support and promote them as much as we can because it's, uh, you know, as, as Pope John Paul said, can you, can you imagine... Uh, a world without religious, mm. you know, certainly uh, the church that we experience in the United States owes a great deal to uh, to the religious women mm-hmm. who were part of our life. I remember as a young boy, we had the Sister Servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the IHMs mm-hmm. from Philadelphia. The Mighty Max. Mighty Max, <laughs> the long blue line, we used to call them. And I, I just remember so well, in my grammar school, Our Lady of Grace, was almost exclusively religious yeah, women yeah, at that time. Yeah. Grades 1 through 8, We I went to public school for kindergarten, but grades 1 through 8, and we had two of each grade, yeah, yeah. and it was the, the, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the IHM sisters. I remember them all. Uh, I remember their names. Yeah. I can hear their voices. I remember all the nicknames we had for yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> we had yeah. a few. We all did, sure. <laughs> But they were wonderful sisters and great, great, mm-hmm. great good examples and an encouragement. And honestly, I would have to say, you know, my vocation, although I, I, I certainly uh, attribute it to the good example of the parish priests that mm-hmm. we had, more so to the sisters, the yeah. IHM sisters, yeah. for their good example, for their prayers, for their encouragement mm-hmm. of vocations. I yeah. mean, people encouraged thinking about religious sure. life in those days and about the priesthood and about... Uh, going to the convent and all yeah. of that. So on this day and weekend when we commemorate and celebrate consecrated life, uh, let's pray. In our, the, uh, as I said in a recent article, you know, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers mm-hmm. into the harvest. Mm-hmm. And there were no greater laborers in the church in our country during the last several hundred years than, than the religious women who Amen. taught and mm-hmm. worked in our hospitals and uh, and now in, in more recent times in social work and in parishes mm-hmm. and all of that. So mm-hmm. we're, we're grateful for them and we're grateful for all that they... Yeah. I have a picture of myself in kindergarten with my class, 1960. And I went, this time I was up in North Jersey. Uh, and there's a picture of, and I counted, 49 kindergartners and one Carmelite, fully habited Carmelite nun. That was, was responsible for that? Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? How you think about that? 49, five and six-year-olds, and one, and she was fully habited, Carmelite. Nobody messed around with her. Uh, and just there we all are. Yeah, the I, and the IHMs in those days were fully habited. You yeah. know, they wore a long blue yeah. habit and uh, a belt and rosaries from their belt and a black veil and had a, like white stiff material. I'm not yeah. sure what it was, but uh-huh. like, you know, linen material. Yeah. Uh, Wrapped around there, as if, you know, yeah. we used to guess what color their hair was. Yeah, and, sure, <laughs> sure. In those days, it was a different, different time. Oh yeah. And uh, but the the uh, the sisters were there was just something special about the sisters. Mm-hmm. Even when you were, you know, you were down the train station or going somewhere in Philly or 
or wherever you were, and you yeah. saw a sister, you know, you yeah. saw a nun. Right. Look, there's a nun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Morning, sir. <laughs> Morning, sir. Uh, but I, I love these sisters, and they were, yeah. they were just such a great influence in my life and continue to be. Uh, and we're very fortunate at the Chantry. We have two uh, sisters of uh, St. Joseph, mm-hmm. Chestnut Hill, Sister Rose McDermott mm-hmm. and Sister Peg McDermott. They're blood sisters. sisters. <laughs> and they work there. Sister Rose yeah. is the delegate for consecrated life and mm-hmm. religious life in the diocese. Marvelous, marvelous that they could be together. Yeah. So we celebrate consecrated life. Uh, last week we had uh, uh, the Diocesan Youth Conference, mm-hmm. which again had to be uh, virtual. virtual. Yeah. Uh, you know that that's always a great uh, day in the diocese. I always loved going to that and seeing all these youngsters and mm-hmm. a great devotion to, especially to the Eucharist. Yeah. And uh, you know we'd have great speakers come in and. And it was a fun day for the kids to be to get, for the young people to be together. And uh, this year we uh, we had to do it virtually. Dan Waddington, who is the director of youth ministry in our diocese, did a very very good job in in, in bringing the troops together online and having a good presentation. The theme was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Every year they take a a theme, usually something from the scriptures, and uh, the speakers address it and. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, they've, they have games and they have all kinds of skits and all kinds of things that go on during the course of the day. So it was great. I, I caught a little bit of it online and uh, I was happy to see it and reports were were very positive. Good. You know, we have the synod. Synods, you know, you hear talk of synod. A lot of talk. Yep. A lot of talk about the synod. <laughs> Questions, too, people have. The what? Questions. People wondering what, what, yeah, what, what, it, what is. is it is. And, you yeah. know, I... I've I've sent a couple of videos around. Uh, some of the parishes have showed them. I had I wrote a pastoral letter when and I issued it when we had the opening of the diocesan phase of the synod. You know, this this synods are not new to the church. I mean, they've been around since the second century. Uh, they've taken different forms over the year, and that certainly mm-hmm. in, in in the present pontificate, mm-hmm. a very different form. You know, as the Holy Father in this synod. And in the last synod, really tried to uh, get the attention of the entire Catholic world mm-hmm. and get their participation in it. Yeah. Um, and and he's, that's the case now. It's a, it's it's a, twenty twenty one to twenty twenty three. So it's a multi year. It's in three parts. Mm-hmm. The first is, of course, the diocesan phase, which we're in here in the diocese of Trenton. We had an opening mass on October seventeenth. Uh, the Holy Father had his Mass the week before, and we had our Mass on the 17th, of, as we were asked to do, mm-hmm. along with all the dioceses throughout the country. And I issued a decree opening the Synod, and I appointed two uh, people in the diocese to kind of co-chair it so that it wasn't—it didn't seem like it was just a top-down, okay, here's the bishop again— Telling us what to do, you know. So, so I have two uh, a deacon, Deacon Pat Brandigan, and a, a layperson, Mary Liz Ivins, who was for many years the the principal at Notre Dame High School. Mm-hmm. A wonderful, wonderful woman and a wonderful deacon. And the two of them are doing a lot of this work. They're going around to the parishes. Uh, they're hosting events to to kind of train people how to do what the synod is asked, and that's mm-hmm. to listen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very, very hard. Uh, you know, this is what the Holy Father wanted. He didn't want a debate. 
He didn't want an argument. He wanted the same old issues being brought up. But although, you know, I, I must tell you that that is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not what the Holy Father intended by the synod. He just wanted everybody to get together to listen to one another and to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to them about the church. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. I know myself. In the first, I did a, a synod session, uh, and it was very, very difficult for me just to listen yeah. because people were saying some things that were a little bit off or not quite right. Mm-hmm. And you the temptation you have is you want to correct yeah, people. Right but that was not, that's not the point of the synod. So mm-hmm. you really have to learn how to listen and listen effectively. Anyway, the synod is intended to be kind of a journey. Mm-hmm. That's what the word means, a path, a journey of the people of God. And to use to, to make that journey using scripture and the liturgy and prayer, and and really it takes a lot of humility just to learn how to listen mm-hmm. to other people, and that's what we're doing. It's it's not an an initiative that's intended to produce yet another document, you know, right. for us. Rather, the synod is intended to kind of to inspire people. You know, what are you thinking? What are you dreaming about? What are you hoping for in the church? What do you need in the church? And, and to make all of those things known one to another. Now, where this goes from here, that's going to be up to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pope Francis um, has told us time and again, you know, be prepared for surprises. and Everything isn't neat and orderly. Sometimes things are a mess. In fact, I think one year at a youth conference, World Youth Day, he asked the kids to make a mess. Right, go out and make a mess. <laughs> Get your hands dirty. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm... As a bishop, I'm not interested in the mess. <laughs> but it's a time for us yeah. throughout the diocese to mm-hmm. listen. And uh, when the when the uh, synod, diocesan phase of the synod ends, which for us will be uh, the beginning of April, then every diocesan bishop is asked to prepare a report. You know, what did you hear? What are some of the things? And then to send that into the U.S. Bishops' Conference, which is the next phase of the synod, mm. what they call the continental phase or the national phase. Mm-hmm. Now, what that's going to be, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll hear about that in November at the bishops' meeting. And then the final phase is the more traditional phase where the Pope gathers with bishops who are elected or appointed, and a lot of this information will be shared at that time. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But, uh, you know, of course, there are always the naysayers that think, oh, here we go again, and nothing's going to happen, and why are we wasting time, and... This is going to be a problem. Well, you know, that's human nature. I don't know what you can do about it. People are going to react the way they're going to react. But the mm-hmm. idea here is, I think, positive. It's an opportunity for people just to learn to listen. You know, we're, we all are on a journey, and the journey is to heaven. That's right. where we're headed. Right. And there are ways to get there. And so— And the other side of it, too, Bishop, is some people think, oh, well, the Pope, the Pope is trying to change the church, and he's trying to change things. He and said it's not going to change doctrine. Exactly. But, he but said it. The mis- yeah. misinterpretation of what this well, is, I, I guess, Well, I think there's a lot of mistrust, you yeah. know. And, and sometimes that mistrust is based on confusion. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the confusion is unfortunate, but it's there. Mm. Uh, and, and maybe it's up to the authentic teachers of the church, the bishops, to take hold of— the situation again and to try to teach and teach authentically and to teach effectively and well mm-hmm. and not to let a lot of other crazy craziness, you know, the winds of every other teaching to kind of take over in the mm-hmm. church. You know, we've got to be more, I think, more clear in, in presenting the, what's true. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we've got to we've got to believe that truth is possible, right. and the communication of truth is possible. And so, during these these uh, months of synod, we're we're listening to people's sense of the truth, and uh, you know, there there will be things that are said that are bothersome, and then there'll be other things that are said that certainly will be maybe more helpful as we move forward. Yeah. But even with Vatican II, I remember you telling me a number of years ago uh, when I was saying I, I read the Vatican II documents regularly, and it's as if they're written today. Yeah. And, and you told me, you said with these councils, it takes about 50 years for that's the, the that's teaching to really That's what they say, really you know, the, for, for the dust to settle. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's been over 50 years since the council. And uh, a lot of the things that we rushed into... Now, as we've had the time and the kind of the maturity that, that comes with time and the wisdom that comes with time, we look back and say, well, maybe some of these things we acted a little bit too quickly, a little bit too precipitously. Uh, and I, I think we're, we're taking a careful look at, uh, at the church. But, you know, uh, from the Middle Ages, Ecclesia Sempere Formando, the church is always reforming itself. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's not going to stay the same. Yeah. It never has stayed the same since the beginning. And it's going to be, you know, each generation brings its own pluses and minuses. And each time period and each region has its own way of doing things. And so it's it's important for us to find what's true mm-hmm. and enduring, to hold on to that, to present that, to teach that, to pray about that, and not to... Not to uh, not to sweat the small stuff, yeah. as they say. Yeah. There's a lot of small stuff around that people let get in the That's way of right. their life. <laughs> so anyway, again, as keeping in mind that this February is jam-packed, you know, mm. there's a lot of these world days. I don't know where they all come from, you know. I don't know who <laughs> the, the world day of this. And yeah. I, was, I was laughing last week because there was a world day of leprosy, and I thought, oh, my God, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, and uh, well, it came and go, it came and went before I yeah, yeah. was aware of it. But uh, it's awfully specific. <laughs> I know I it's know very how, very specific. God bless lep- the lepers, lepers, but I don't know how many. Leprosy is a is still a yeah. uh, a horrible horrible disease. But yeah. anyway, uh, World Marriage Day, World Marriage uh, International or National Marriage Week, and World Marriage Day is coming up very very soon. Um, the theme is called to the joy of love and, uh, the be- it's beautiful. We celebrate this and, and commemorate mar- marriage and lift it up every year. Mm-hmm. And it is the primary vocation, you know, mother and father having, uh, having children, you know, it, it, it has its roots in the marriage encounter, you know, mm-hmm. which was developed in Spain, you know, yeah. years and years ago in, in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. And so, the Conference of Bishops of the United States certainly has taken hold of this uh, this annual celebration and promotes it as much as they can. And we in the diocese do it. You know, every year I, I celebrate two masses in the diocese, one in the uh, Mercer in Burlington and one in Ocean and Monmouth. The diocese has four mm-hmm. counties, you know, and uh, blessings, anniversary blessings yeah. for those yeah. who are first anniversary, 25th mm-hmm. anniversary, 50 or more. Mm-hmm. And the, the cathedral and co-cathedral, respectively, are packed for this Mass mm-hmm. and all the beautiful couples. And it's amazing to me to see how many 50-year-old marriages there are and to see those couples stand and 
receive the blessings. It's very, mm-hmm. very inspiring mm-hmm. how beautiful the vocation of married yeah. life is. And so that's that's coming up soon. This month, the whole month, mamma mia, do I, is there more? <laughs> <laughs> this month is called Catholic Press Month. Oh. And so it's a time when we recognize the value of Catholic books and publications mm-hmm. and so on, and such as our own. Yes. Um, monitor, mm-hmm. our, our magazine, our website, mm-hmm. uh, and, and really a critical need for church communications, which includes, includes what we do here, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and domestic church radio. And uh, certainly you can you can check out, the, I'm sure the, the monitor for this month, the magazine will have a little uh, issue about this. I think it's being dedicated to marriage mm-hmm. because of World Marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, day and National Marriage Week, but uh, also will will uh, honor the the uh, contributions of people like yourself and mm. people that work in the various dioceses. Yeah. And the Holy Father has spoke upon spoke about it. Uh, he had a group, you know. The Holy Father has these audiences yeah. all the time, and he had journalists and media together. And yeah. he told them to beware of fake news. Yeah, he, he used he that used, term he in English. The, he used the expression yeah. and. Uh, and it is something we have to be aware of. You know, I, I, I felt that during the uh, during this pandemic, which seems to be maybe moving in the right direction. From your days. mouth to God's ears. And please <laughs> to God, you know. It depends on what station you listen to, yeah, right? Yeah, right. That's right. That's but, right. But uh, anyway, um, he... Uh, he he spoke very, I think, very boldly about to to the media, to the journalists about what their obligations are, mm-hmm. and he emphasized listening yeah. and hearing and telling the truth. Yeah. And I think that's so important because there's a lot of, a lot of things that are contrary to the truth that are being bandied about as true. Exactly. And we have to be very, very careful. And in addition to World Press Month. It's World Day of the Sick is mm. coming up on February the 11th. This is something that Pope St. John Paul started, and yeah. uh, I think I can... Uh, Always on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, you know, February the 11th. And this year the theme is Touch the Suffering Flesh of Christ. Mm. And uh, Pope John Paul, who had Parkinson's disease and uh, and, a, and a number of other health ailments, mm-hmm. Um, established this day for us to think of the sick, to pray for the sick, and also for those who care for them, mm-hmm. whether they be caring for the sick at home or in hospitals or nursing homes. That's a day for us to be to be very mindful of of the sick and and those of us who have conditions, of mm-hmm. health conditions, uh, certainly can relate to the need for prayer and the desire for prayer. Uh, so that. Coming up at the end of the month, we have the Catholic Men for Jesus Christ conference, and that's going to be in person this year. It's going to be down in on the February 26th. It'll be in the um, St. Joseph's in Tom's mm-hmm. River, yeah. St. Joseph Church in Tom's River. Mm-hmm. Should be very, very nice. Uh, it always is a great occasion, and I'm delighted to be able to be there this mm-hmm. year in person again. Yeah. Uh, I've only missed once in the whole time I've been bishop. Uh, to celebrate Mass for, for the Catholic men, for mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, and a few of the women that yeah. are there. Yeah, a little few in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's yeah. a beautiful occasion, yeah. really, for us to, uh, 
for guys to join sure. together and to and they always get a wonderful turnout. I wonderful mean, turnout. I mean, yeah. the men are hungry. They're hungry for something Hundreds like that. Hundreds of guys, yeah. you know, six hundred, seven hundred, four thousand. Are you mm-hmm. going this year? Unfortunately, Cheryl and I are out of town that weekend. Oh, that's right. We you do, told me you're going to be away. Yeah, we do a little winter vacation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we'll always have to schedule our winter vacation based on when 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 Ash Wednesday is for oh, Cheryl's yeah. purposes. Well, so of course, sure. If it's later in, if it's, if it's earlier, we we make it. But if not, well, we'll certainly think of you. That's for sure. And speaking of Ash Wednesday. We have Lent coming up, and that's going to be in the beginning of March. Yep. So by the time our next radio broadcast is, we'll already be in the season of Lent. Yep. I always send out a, uh, a you know, a, a kind of a circular letter about the obligations of Lent, fasting mm-hmm. and abstinence during this year. And, and, and the Lent, of course, this year goes from Ash Wednesday on the 2nd until Holy Thursday, which is on the 14th of April. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably the, almost as late as Easter can be this year, uh, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty late. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Ash Wednesday I'll be at Lawrenceville Prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've invited me there to uh, to do a, an ecumenical Ash Wednesday service. Mm-hmm. By that time, I'll, I'll be ashed and have <laughs> have ashed many people. But uh, Now, there are there restrictions this year with the distribution of ashes the way they no, have been? No, but you know, years? last year we, we did the... Uh, the um, Q-tips, Q-tips or, tips yeah, or whatever they're yeah. called. Uh, and the priests liked it, and the people they liked it. Yeah. In fact, in, the, in all the diocese, 100 parishes, only one pastor complained about it. Hmm. And uh, the others said, you know, that it was neater, it was cleaner. They made better crosses on people's oh. foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> and the people seemed to like it better, so... Yeah. Uh, I told them they have the option. It's an option, okay. And though many of them ask me, can we do it again that mm-hmm. way? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, of course, you, you'll have some people say, oh, it's not valid, and that's crazy. It's a sacramental, right. and right. we have the permission from the Holy See last year to do it, and yeah. the, we're still in the midst of the pandemic, so we're going to extend yeah. it again and uh, celebrate it. And I'll have something to say about fast and abstinence next time yes. around, so we don't mm-hmm. have to get into all of that. Right. Anything you can think of, anything that I, I missed, I don't, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of ramble on about. The, no, I'm happy you do, and I, I know our audience is happy you do, Bishop, because and when you are not here, they wonder where are you because they like they love to hear from you. So yeah, uh, and the information usually that you just give, down the street. Yeah, There's something <laughs> something going on though yeah. that keeps me from from coming in. I really hate to miss, you know, because uh, I enjoy the opportunity because really uh, I consider this, you know. Light of Catholic Press and Media Month, I consider this really one of the main ways that I can reach a number of people in the diocese because, uh, you know, we have, for example, this this uh, month is usually the month that we kick off the annual Catholic appeal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bishop Smith did it before me, and I've continued the custom of doing a, uh, a video presentation that, mm-hmm. that's sent around to all the parishes. Uh, for presentation to the people, and I think this year it's the 19th and 20th of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our theme this year is uh, what does love have to do with it? Mm-hmm. Usually we take something from the saints or from the scripture and, um, you know, the, the development office and say, yeah, we, want to, we want to make something concrete about love. And and then I just, uh, I remembered the te- song of <laughs> Tina Turner, what's love got to do? <laughs> Back yes. in the 80s, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Uh, and I said, well, what's love got to do with it? Uh-huh. And I said, everything. Yeah. It has everything to do with it. Yeah. 
And so that's going to be our theme, and the presentation is uh, going to be sent out to, you know, and uh, we ask all the parishes to show this video. Mm-hmm. Not all of them do, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that that does happen, but some yeah. pastors just don't do it. Mm. Um, but it's one way for me actually to get my ugly mug out in front of people mm. and to let them know it's important, you know. It's, yeah. Money is critical for, you know, if it's an old saying, no money, no mission, yeah. you know, it's critical for yeah. us to be able to do. People don't realize yeah. how much uh, how much uh, we do we are able to do simply because of the annual Catholic appeal. Yeah. And so uh, we're, we're hoping that people will be generous. Uh, and we'll get some, as we always do, some letters and, you know, well, I'm not paying for lawsuits. Or I'm not, well, that's not what the appeal is used mm-hmm. for. It's never used for that. Yeah, it's used yeah. for the people of the diocese, the work of the diocese, and the workers mm-hmm. who make things happen for us. So that's coming up. Yeah. What's love got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. And Well, these days, especially, I know for our, even our, what we do here, is people are looking for truth. They're looking for a place where they can go. And the church is the first place, obviously, because of, of that's our that's our second home, basically. Sure. Uh, to go and feel that the, the comfort, the consolation, the, the just the, that that like warm blanket that goes around you when you walk into your church and you know that you're you're in, in the arms of Almighty God and how special that is. Uh, the parish life, you know, and even sure. what we do here, it's a place where people can come to 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 really just feel and be part and, of the culture. And you have to reach out and ask people to help and support you. Well, as we well. will. April sixth, seventh, and eighth is our okay. radio talk show. Yeah, so we'll be, we'll we'll warm them up for you. All right, well, thank the you annual for... Catholic appeal. <laughs> That's always the best. But you know, and and people, and you know, people in this diocese we have found are extremely generous. They really are. They this really... is a wonderful diocese, and people are so good. When you give you when you tell what your needs are, they respond. That's right, and I think that. Uh, you know, and it's so often I say to other bishops throughout the country, I'm so proud and so lucky yeah. to be part of this diocese and uh, to have the wonderful priests that I have, happy priests, yes. good priests, yes. and good faithful people. Wherever I go in the diocese, I just find a warm reception and uh, an eagerness, yeah. an eagerness to be part of the church. And as we come back from this pandemic, you know, I'm hoping more and more people come back to church and. Uh, continue where we left off, as it were. Very good, Bishop. Well, thank you so much for being here, uh, taking time out of your very busy schedule, and we'll see you next month. All right. God bless you. God bless everyone.